Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon uh, still on vacation. He'll be back coming up tomorrow. But right now, let's talk some college football. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. He is the editor-in-chief of the Athletic College Football. He's Stuart Mandel with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks for having me. So we have a lot of ground to cover uh, with you with camps right around the corner and, of course, uh, what's going on around college football. And I want to start with uh, Oklahoma and Texas bolting uh, the story that continues to evolve even today. But uh, your thoughts on, on I, I guess, this groundbreaking movement and, and where we see it going? It's snuck up on all of us. Um, you know, it certainly, um, you know, with, with the benefit of hindsight, it makes a lot of sense certainly for those schools and, of course, for the SEC um, but, you know, in, in the after what happened in 2010 and 2011 across the country, I said nothing, nothing in realignment surprises me anymore. Um, the thing that surprised me this time, though, was that, that you know, this, this TV deal, the Big 12 not up until 2025. So for them to be doing this now um, has kicked the dominoes into effect a lot sooner than I think people were ready for. So, um, you know, obviously... The big news is they're going to the SEC, but we're all more focused, I think, on what's going to possibly be next. And um, because, my gosh, we saw a whole conference just wiped out um, with these two schools going to the SEC. The Big 12 that's left is not a power conference, and it's not completely clear what those schools are going to be able to do to keep that status. Well, hey, let me ask you about ESPN and what role they are playing in all of this. That's kind of the, the broad question. Uh, but what also did you think about Bowlesby and the Big 12 sending them a cease and desist in a move that uh, <laughs> was was interesting, to say the least? Yeah, it was. Um, pretty pretty shocking to see uh, a commissioner send a letter like that to a network that is their current partner that they work with currently. Um, I think it was a signal of what their strategy is going to be from here which is to dig in and make sure that OU and Texas pay them every penny that they owe them. Um, you know, there's been some thought that, you know, many people, myself included, can't imagine that they're going to play another four years in that conference after what they just did to the other eight schools, that they'll negotiate some sort of early exit. And the message from Bob Bowlesby there was, uh, you know, they, they can do that, but they're going to pay their full exit fees and insinuating that, there's some sort of collusion going on between the AAC and ESPN to do something that would essentially cause the Big 12 to dissolve, at which point OU and UT would be free to leave um, without paying a penny. And clearly they are readying for a pretty prolonged legal battle, I would imagine. Stuart, I apologize for breaking in with some breaking news not related to, to college football, but real quick here, uh, Sham Sarania's free agency opens up in basketball, uh, reporting that Michael Conley Jr. has agreed to a three-year, $68 million deal to return to the Utah Jazz. So some some big news around here. You're not an NBA guy, Stuart, but any thoughts? Michael Conley, Jazz were pretty good last year. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you're probably going to need to hang up with me now. It's much bigger <laughs> news there than uh, what's going on with OU in Texas. Well, uh, we will uh, we will uh, uh, trudge on with you, Stuart. If you don't mind, we've been looking forward to, to having this conversation. We'll get to the Conley news uh, a little bit uh, a little bit down the line. But um, what what is your thoughts on the the trickle down effect of this? You've you've talked a little bit about it with the Big Twelve, but I mean, does the Big Ten respond? I mean, does the the Pac twelve do anything? I mean, long term, where where does the next movement come from? 
it's a fascinating chess game you're going to see playing out now because I don't think that anybody other than the remaining Big 12 schools have to do anything. You know, the Big 10 is a very, very successful conference financially with the 14 schools that they have. And does the SEC get better with OU in Texas? Yes, but they're already the best conference. They already recruit the best. Like, I don't think this does any, you know, tangible damage to the other leagues. But nobody wants to be the next one that gets poached. And so everybody's going to be looking around warily thinking, well, you know, if you're the Pac-12, we have a pretty good lineup now. We have a new TV deal coming up soon. We're all going to make a lot more money. We don't really need to expand. But, uh uh-oh, what if somebody comes after USC? Maybe we need to expand to make it a better, bigger conference before that happens. So it'll be very interesting to see once the dust settles here a little bit. I think everybody's still a little shell-shocked. Whether I could see it going, you know, any possible outcome. We could see massive changes, massive restructuring. We could see very little at all. I just know that it's a lot different than it was 10 years ago when Rutgers was, you know, when the Big Ten wanted Rutgers in Maryland or the SEC wanted Missouri. Everybody was very fixated on cable households. And with cord cutting being what it is, with everything moving towards streaming, it's not a factor anymore. And that's why, you know, OU Texas is a blockbuster. There aren't really many realistic moves another conference can make that are like that. Um, the, the number of programs that generate that kind of buzz and bring that kind of value is very small. And I just don't think you're going to see one of the power conferences expand just to add two more teams or add four more teams. They're going to have to be particularly noteworthy teams. Stuart Mandel is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. With that in mind, uh, we were uh, I was down at Pac-12 Media Day last week, and we had a chance to have uh, Commissioner Klyavkov on the station, and uh, he told us that everybody. We asked him if everybody in the in the conference was happy. You know, if everybody was happy with the direction it was going, and as you would expect, his his answer was yes. Um, do you believe that? <laughs> I think that everybody was unhappy when Larry Scott was still the right. commissioner. There was a lot of <laughs> angst. Now I think people are feeling hopeful again because the new commissioner, at least so far, is saying all the right things. You know, the fact is most of the Pac-12 schools are, you know, Stanford, Cal, these are schools that that are totally wed to the West Coast. I don't think they would ever look to go anywhere else. You know, I think this round of realignment, like I said, is going to be driven by the big names. The one you have to make sure is truly happy is USC. Um, Because USC is probably the only program in the Pac-12 that has the cachet to do something like what OU and UT UT just did. And, you know, I, I think they're happy in terms of they're with the kind of schools they want to be with, um, and so on and so forth. But their fans expect them to win national titles. Clay Helton is a is not very popular coach because they haven't come close to competing for the national title under him. And the schools that you compete against the national title for, two of them are Oklahoma and Texas. A bunch of others are in the SEC, and they all are about to get a lot richer. And so what can you do to assure USC that you can bring in more revenue, get more exposure, and you guys will be able to compete at that elite level while still being a member of Pac-12. Stuart, uh, you did a, a piece that I thought was really great uh, up at The Athletic. The headline is, uh, they have to want to win, how to save the Pac-12 for the sake of college football. And you go through kind of a five-point plan. I would encourage everybody to jump on and read it, but uh, give us kind of the gist on, on what you think uh, the new commissioner and, and what the, the, big, the Pac-12 has to do to increase its value. Yeah, and that article, I wrote that in April, so before 
they chose the commissioner that they did. I, and, you know what? I had not I had not read it then, but you had it pinned to the top of your Twitter account, so I jumped yeah. on it and read it, and it and it was great. So I wanted to bring it up with you today because I, I no, thought I it's exactly it. what I we're talking still, about. It's still very relevant, um, you know, and and the and I say that because a lot of the things that I wrote in that article, you've noticed from his introductory press conference, from his address at Paxwell Media Days address that very thing, the idea that they just don't take football seriously enough among the Pac-12 presidents and within the conference. And, you know, it's the conference of champions, and they should be proud of all the – how well they do in the Olympics, how well they do in the non-revenue sports. But ultimately you're judged by football and men's basketball. They had a great tournament, obviously, men's basketball this year. But they haven't gotten a lot of exposure in that sport, and certainly football, they've been kind of a laughingstock recently. And so his message seems to be pretty universally – Everything we do going forward is going to be to make sure we have playoff teams and national champions in football. And so he's already checked off the first uh, item on my list. Um, but clearly they need to get a handle on, um, you know, it's very important that they continue to support this expanded playoff because I think they need that. Um, they need to figure out in recruiting how to keep the best players from the West Coast on the West Coast, in particular the quarterbacks who keep going to the Oklahomas, the Alabamas, and Clemsons. And, and then I've said in that article then, and we're seeing it play out already, like NIL is something that can can be to their benefit um, because of the markets they're in. And I think we've already seen a couple examples of that. Uh, at Paxwell Media Days, actually, Keaton Slovis talked about he, he is being represented by the same agency as LeBron James for his marketing. Kayvon Thibodeau, the big Oregon uh, defensive end, has a, a deal with Phil Knight. Um, everybody, when they talk about NIL, fears that the Alabamas and whatnot are going to have an unfair advantage because of the boosters, but you know, you've got some markets in LA and Oregon and Arizona and the Bay area that have a lot of influencers. And I think the Pac-12 should really embrace NIL. So I want to ask you uh, your expectations for Utah. They bring a, a ton of players back, particularly on defense. They uh, will likely start a transfer of quarterback in Charlie Brewer from Baylor. And, uh, you know, we were talking before you came on about how competitive we expect the Pac-12 to be. Uh, what do you expect out of the Utes this year? I think they've got as much a chance to win that division as anybody. Um, Charlie Brewer could turn out to be the, one of the best um, grad or best transfer portal pickups anybody had, and it's just so rare in this. We have this unusual season where guys are are fifth year starters, and that's what he is—a fifth year, you know, power five starting quarterback. It's a huge pickup for them, um, and and that's obviously not the only position where they tapped into the portal. Um, the hard thing with the Pac-12 right now to handicap anybody is that they barely played last year. So you're looking at a Utah team, and you're judging them off four or five games from last year, and you just you just don't know. <laughs> you know, have they played the rest of the season, what would have happened one way or the other? But all indications are that, you know, last year was supposed to be a rebuilding year. That rebuilding year got, got cut in half, uh, but it is what it is. And now you're coming out the other side of it and a chance to be right back in contention like they were in 2018 and 2019. Uh, Stuart, thank you very much for jumping on with us and giving us a few minutes. We really appreciate the insight. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you.